0: Hi, we are Distractions Media. 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 Over the past two years, we have raised money for charity during our 24 hour live stream in December. And we are currently preparing to do it again. This year we're raising money for Anxiety Gaming, a charity that helps gamers and others find assistance for mental health issues including anxiety and depression. Last year we exceeded our goal and we are looking to do it again. With your help, we're confident that we can do it. You can donate at distractionsmediacom forward slash donations by clicking on the link. Also, if you want to watch us play games, have fun, and join our growing community, you can come check us out at twitch.tv slash distractions. It all starts at noon Eastern on Saturday, December 2nd. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you. Thank you for your wonderful support. Bye. Welcome back to the Welsh History Podcast, episode number 62, The Legacy of Rodri. With the death of Rodri the Great, the sons of Rodri ascended to various kingdoms. According to ancient sources, there were either eight, seven, six, or four sons of Rodri. Alfred's biographer Asser said there were six, while Welsh chronicles only ever named four. We only can guess at the other children, but the ones, even the four that are named, are not necessarily well documented or well covered. In fact, there are very little evidence on behalf of most of the sons. Some academics feel this may be because Rodri was such a pivotal figure. Many jumped on board with him, claiming descendancy and legitimizing their own claims to the throne, in much the same way, kings and nobles throughout the Middle Ages claimed a king whom they had no actual lineage to, but they could skate one there, to put it bluntly, uh, which would then justify their own actions. Overthrow the rightful heir? What better way to justify that than to say, Hey, I was a descendant of an ancient king, who were, and my claims were ignored, or my claim was stronger because Arthur was my distant grandfather. I mean, imaginary kingship was worth it as long as it showed you were the rightful heir, even when you were obviously just a usurper lord, or worse yet, a thug. Thus, some even went as far as to claim heritage from the king of kings, Jesus himself. What better way to show you were divinely led and brought to the throne through the most... Noble of fashion, shall we say. The whole idea that Jesus was celibate was a later notion at this point, at least amongst the nobility in the medieval periods. Rodri's named sons were, and again, pardon me for some of the pronunciation, Anharad, Cadell, Mervyn, and Gurad or Guraid. Gerald of Wales claims that these sons split the kingdoms of Wales amongst themselves. Though there does not seem to be any evidence of this, as scholars have argued that they may have shared the leadership amongst them rather than dividing them up in strictly, this is your kingdom, this is your kingdom. Uh, Gerard died with Rodri in 878, fighting the Mercians. At this point, Anharad becomes the most significant of the brothers. He is the one that seems to predominate the discussions at this point, and it will be him... That negotiates with Alfred in the years after. In 881, three years after the death of Rodri, his sons were, won a great battle against the Mercians at Conwy, and in doing so, the Welsh annals tell us that they got revenge by God for Rodri. By that point, however, Mercia had lost the last of its former luster and was now a vassal of the kings of Wessex. So how much of revenge the Welsh got is mildly debatable. Historian Charles Edwards points out there is a very strange statement by the Welsh Annals. As the king of Mercia, Aethelred, was not the king who killed Rodri, but rather it was Cobulf, and the Mercians were no longer allied with the Vikings at this point, so it made very little sense that they focused on the argument that God led them to it. As while God may have been angry with a Christian king working with a pagan Viking, that had long ago ceased being the case. In fact, by 879, just a year later, colwulf had actually passed away. And in fact, it was now Ethelred, a Wessex vassal that was in charge. So in some respects, it doesn't make a lot of sense. What it does show, however, is that, according to Charles Edwards, the Welsh Kingdom of Gwynedd, where the annals were likely written, had gone from partners and allies to Mercia to being blood-sworn enemies who took delight in their downfall. The Mercian domination of Wales, for almost 100 years at that point, had created very hard feelings, and it appeared that there was very little love lost between the two nations. In fact, as we know, in previous discussions, Wales had, and Gwynedd specifically, had found itself raided and pillaged by the Mercians, and the Mercians had played pretty heavy politics with the kingship before Mervyn became king. Shortly after Conwy, Anharad made an alliance with the Northumbrians, who were in Jorvik and were now ruled by Vikings. At that same period, Athelred and the Mercians fell to Wessex domination. So, having former allies of Mercia on your side, might have seemed like a good way for the sons of Rodri to keep the enemies at bay. As England began to be one kingdom after the Mercians' submission, meanwhile Gwyneth rose to predominate the northern Welsh and put pressure on the south. In the years following the death of Rodri, the kings of the south lived in fear, for Dovid and Brychanog it was Angharad and his brothers that, that concerned them. For the others, it was the Mercians and their continued harassment. And in fact, uh, both of the eastern kingdoms, southeastern kingdoms of Wales, were dominated by the Mercians right up until the submission to Wessex. With Powys firmly in the camp of Rodri, many of the other kingdoms were feeling the pressure from both Wessex and from the northern Welsh. According to Asser, the southeast Welsh kingdoms fell to Af- Alfred early, swearing fealty to him to protect Gwent and Glu- Gluissing from the Earl of Mercia, as he was then called. Meanwhile, Dovid's king, Haifath Abledry, was under siege by the king of North Wales. While we only have Asser to go on what happens, it forced Haifath to come to terms with Alfred, and again bow to him as his liege lord. In a way, the sons of Rodri, rather than uniting Wales, had actually created a north and south division, which hindered their progress. It does lead you to wonder that if Alfred had been defeated by the Norsemen, as he very well could have been in the years earlier, would all of Wales felt to Angharad to become the first king of a united Wales? Had that happened in the 9th century, would Wales have been able to hold out against the Normans and later Plantagenet invasions. Unity had been the one thing to escape the Welsh during this period, and while kings would unite a lot of Wales, there was no chance of ever fully uniting the country against the outside threat after Alfred. As mentioned earlier, Anharad sought an alliance with the Norsemen of York against the old English enemies. However. While this may have protected Wales against the Norwegian Vikings, the Danes had no such alliance. In 892, they attacked all along the Irish Sea, including Gwynedd. The failure of his allies to defend him, and the success of Alfred in defending himself against the Vikings and Cornish enemies may have impressed Anharad. However, another aspect of the Welsh decision was, according to Asser, that the Normans were considered to be less noble and loyal, and their deals made the Welsh vassals instead of equals. So at the height of Alfred's power, the feeling must have been strong amongst the Welsh to at least talk to Alfred. So it was, probably either 893 or 894, the sons of Rodri turned south, and to the newly recovered Alfred, with Alfred offering Anharad gifts and acknowledgments, and finally making royal pledges, the Welsh kings finally unified under their English lord. Alfred had done what no Saxon before could do. He had made a vassal of all of Wales. By 894, vassalage was utilized by the Welsh to defeat the Viking invaders, as Alfred supported Anharad in the defense of North Wales. In fact, in this period, they were able to defeat a number of Viking raiders and in that way establish both Anharad and Alfred's ability to protect and defend the island. However, change was on the horizon. First, in 893, King Hafath died, and with his death it opened up a time of infighting in Wales. In the midst of this, the Wessex hegemony and the death of Hafath renewed the opportunity for the sons of Rodri to interfere in Welsh politics. Cadell ap Rodri at some point begins to move into Karygideon, taking over at least portions of the area. This may have come as the sons of Hafath were actively resisting the sons of Rodri. In 903 and 904, two of Hafath's sons are killed, and one is executed. This would show that likely Anharad and his brothers were trying to remove the last strong kingdom left in the south. Cadell originally controlled much of the area around Karygideon, the Gower Peninsula and Camarthen, the kingdom known as Sesalwig. We know very little about his life, and it would appear that he became king after the death of the founding line. Cadell finally ascends to the throne of the throne of David around nine oh nine, after finally defeating the other challengers. The Wessex form of balance was officially undone. The sons of Rodri were now in charge. Anharad, dies in 916, secure in his kingdom, having defeated the Danes, allied with Alfred, and possibly helping his brother ascend to the throne of Dovid. If you're like me and eating healthy is a bit of a problem, let me bend your ear a little bit to eat stress-free this spring with Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including Popular options like Calorie Smart, Kato, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggies. Also, discover more than 60 add ons every week, like breakfasts, on the go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started today and fuel up for your springtime goals. Get chef prepared meals on the table in two minutes with Factors ready to eat meals so you can get back to doing what you love this spring. Also, if you're looking for gourmet meals, try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. Look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for our lowest carbon footprint meals. Head to factormeals.com slash welshhistorypod50 And use the code WELSHHISTORYPOD50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code WELSHHISTORYPOD50 at FactorMeals.com slash WELSHHISTORYPOD50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. It is thought by scholars that just as his brother did, Cadell swore fealty to Alfred. However, the crown prince Yule would not be restricted in the same way. At the death of his father in 918, he became king of Dovid and Sislewik, and he conveniently closed the loop on Hafath by marrying the crown princess of Dovid. In other words, he effectively dominated the area in the way that the sons of Rodri were always able to seemingly come out on top when it came to any matters of Wales. They were never really held back, even as they had to defeat Irishmen, Vikings, and Englishmen to do it. And even though they've sworn fealty to both the Vikings, the Mercians, and Wessex, still somehow, once again, they are in charge. And so, when we look back at the effects of the sons of Rodri, and really, if we go back far enough to Mervyn, we see that their influence is incredibly strong, and it will be felt all the way down till the end of Welsh independence. The inheritance of being one of the sons of Rodri the Great is significant enough that others try and emulate and try and capture that inheritance. The reasons why we don't know how many sons Rodri really had was because, as mentioned earlier, kings would often claim inheritance through him because it was felt that was justifying just how good they really were. And the power of Anharad to be able to enforce his will on so much of Wales in his lifetime was probably massively influential on how Wales formed beyond this. Obviously, the power base of Gwyneth continued to be strong ever after this, but the rise of this newly merged Cecilwig and will have influence for generations to come as well. As we talk about this next time, this was the foundation of what was to come. As Huel would be the king who would push for unity and create a new and mighty kingdom with laws that would forever be associated with him, along with the epithet, the good. Huel would become a king who is well-respected, well-honored, looked upon as being important, and one of the few southern kings who makes influence beyond just the south and into the north. This doesn't happen often in Welsh history. If we look at Welsh history as a whole, typically Powys and Gwynedd are the two bigger kingdoms that influence the rest. It is they that will present the bigger and more dominant kings in the later half of independence. And also it will be Powys that will bring us Glyndŵr. The last to wear the crown as Prince of Wales, as a Welsh prince. But in all cases, predominantly the North reigns supreme. But in this one period of time, in this one opportunity, it will be the nephew of Anhrad, not his son, who will predominate. And it will be the South, not the North, that will push for unity. And it will be these mighty warriors that will lead in the resistance to the Saxons and to the Vikings and to the Irish to some extent. And as we look forward into this, this will be the part that will be most interesting and, and we'll continue to discuss in greater detail. It's hard to believe when you look at this at how quickly everything's changed from the advent of Murfin out to Huell. I mean, we think that Murfin may have come from the Isle of Man, he basically came from nowhere as far as we knew of history before him. And suddenly his influence is so large and so great that even the myths are bent to his will, thus the reason why Arthur becomes so big in our understanding of how medieval British politics worked. The ideas of someone being worthy because they were good at the job rather than being a noble descendant of someone else. And the whole concept of kingship being something that could be aggressively pursued to unite an area as opposed to divide the area so often happened in Wales at this period as the sons of Rodri the Great continued to move out and to dominate so much of what we consider to be Wales and this influence as I said continues to grow long past this point in time uh I would encourage you to have a look into this yourself, have a look at the history. It's definitely a fascinating time period. We're now entering much more history-written-down period of time in Welsh history. We're going to get into uh, a lot of people who actually have their own biographies, which will be an interesting expansion of our understanding. And we're starting to get out of the so-called Dark Ages and into the proper High Medieval Ages, which will then allow us to peek at more of the ideas and the thoughts and the actions of so many people in and around wales even in areas that we don't normally think of like the urban development in wales at this time period so we're going to go further into this we're going to look into all of this we're going to talk about huel the good next time and how he developed into being such an important figure for wales and for us in this story that we're telling and until next time everyone thank you have a great day we'll talk to you later and uh, let me just finish off by saying please consider donating to our uh, we are running a charity fundraiser for anxiety gaming this year uh, on december 2nd and 3rd you'll have heard the advertisement at the beginning of the show here um, we are trying to raise money to help people who suffer from depression and anxiety and the organization that we're raising money for is based in the united states but they help people across the north and america and in europe and all sorts of places so they reach a number of different areas facilities and people so it would be worth your time to consider a donation and any kind of donation is definitely a worthy one and we really appreciate it and if you'd like to do so you can do that at distractionsmedia.com forward slash donations thank you everyone have a great day we'll talk to you later bye bye edge of the abyss creations is a proud sponsor of the welsh history podcast your one-stop shop for unique jewelry paintings and other crafty creations you can find us at facebook.com slash edge of the abyss one this has been a distractions media production for more info you can check out everything we do at distractionsmedia.com hello everyone